Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette. The Hammer Down Show with Jared Jesselitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited! He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette Sports. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do so well. We gotta, I, I gotta figure something. I gotta get the, the juju going in the right direction here. It's been terrible today. I don't know. If I gave away basketball tickets, would that help? Like, if I gave you a chance to win Purdue versus Michigan basketball tickets for the 23rd? Because I'm on vacay next week. I'm gonna be like around on Tuesday, but I'm gonna be out the rest of the week. Kyle Chargers is filling in for me. So I just give these away now because Kyle's going to get all the – I always leave him all the guests to talk to. I back off on everybody so he can have a full show. But uh, I guess I should give you a chance to win these, right? Of course I should. You know the drill. Text Boiler up to 765-447-4080. That's 765-447-4080. And that's your chance to win Purdue, Michigan, Tuesday, January 23rd, Mackey Arena. You can win those tickets. Boiler up. Text it in, 765-447-4080. That's what you got to do, all right? We got a good good day today. A lot of basketball talk. Sam King's going to join us at 315. Then we got the Boiler Basketball Show with myself, Jeff Julik, and special guests, Nate Bear and Alec Karpik. That's coming up at 4 o'clock. So you're not going to get this much uh, local sports talk anywhere else. We got you covered, all right? Let's get started with uh, it's a little bit, but uh, I do have some need-to-know news. Here's your need-to-know news. Big Ten action last night. The Illini hold off Michigan State, although it was close down the stretch. They're 71-68 that final. Maryland comes back after being outscored in the first. It was 33-21 at the half they trailed. And then they came out and fired off a 43-24 margin. And Maryland rolls last night over Michigan 64-57. Was that a a 7.5 point game? I told you not to touch that line. I told you the line, I got you 2.5 or 3 points. If you took 3.5, I'm sorry. But if you did play our little 10-point three-way parlay for about even money, you hit that. Tonight, Indiana 4.5 point favorites at home against Minnesota. Nebraska heads to Iowa. The Hawkeyes minus four and a half. The over-under in that one. 166. You kidding me? She whiz. That's uh, that's a high number. High number. Patriots have decided on a new head coach. They move quickly and uh, promote one of their own here. Drod Mayo is now the head man. Meanwhile, down in Alabama... 
multiple outlets reporting that it's going to be Kalen DeBoer, and they are hammering out a deal. Uh, he did miss a scheduled radio interview on behalf of Washington today. The station tweeted it out that they would get him back, but he was unable to do the interview today. So you start putting two and two together, and uh, it sounds like he agreed to a deal. Blackhawks, losers again, 2-1. to one. That's eight in their last ten they've lost. Connor Murphy with the lone goal. Blackhawks also announced a two-year deal with Nick Foligno. $9 million over two years. Uh, he's 36. He was going to be an unrestricted free agent. He only did a $4 million one-year deal following a June trade from the Bruins. This deal runs through 25-26. He is currently on injury reserve with a fractured left finger suffered in a fight January the 5th. I believe that fight was the result of uh, the hit on uh, Bettard. So literally one dude injured two Blackhawks somehow. Uh, He has 17 points in 39 games this season. High school hoops tonight. Harrison hosting Kokomo at 7.30. CC Benton Central 7.30. Jeff and Anderson 8 p.m. McCutcheon at Logansport at 6.30. Faith is at North Noon at 8. I have not been told of cancellations anywhere. I'm just telling you that's what's on the schedule. I don't know that all of those are still on for tonight with the weather, especially if somebody had to travel up north. It's not good. Pacers back tonight. Uh, they're in Atlanta. Two and a, or five and a half point road dogs tonight. Bulls will host the Warriors. Minus three and a half. There you go. That would be today's Need to Know News for your Friday, January the 12th. Big uh, betting weekend here with the NFL coming back into play. But hey, we've been hot here on the picks during the week with college basketball. Let's see what we can do. I know you're looking at 166. You're thinking about Nebraska. They shot lights out. Iowa doesn't play defense. They sh- they, they They like to score a lot. I like the Hawkeyes to cover tonight. Home teams are 8-4 and four against the spread in the Big Ten over the last week. And 17-12 and 12 on the year in covering. I was had the week off. Patrick McCaffrey is back. Nebraska with that letdown spot here because... You know, they shot all out the big emotional high of Purdue. We talked about how hard it is to win on the road. This opened at three and a half, jumped to four and a half. I'm going to go with a Big Ten home court advantage. I'm going to go ahead and take Iowa tonight. We'll see if they can cover the four and a half. I just think they come out hot. Now, Minnesota at the Hoosiers. I'm actually a believer that Minnesota is better than we realize, but we put that bar so low, and they put it low. Their strength of schedule is 347th. They haven't really played anybody in the the Big Ten yet. They did beat Michigan State early on. I think another one was Nebraska early on. They got a loss at Ohio State. Now, 
Like, I would say Indiana wins this, but I'm just, ugh, I don't love it. But a Friday night in Assembly Hall, you got to think that that is the way to go for the Hoosiers. I'm going to stick with my Iowa game. Just in case. Just in case. I just, I trust Indiana somewhat at home. But I don't fully trust those guys at home. Mm-mm, no way, no how. Now, if you wanted to take uh, Indiana, which is at four and a half right now, and if you wanted to go ahead and pair that up with Iowa, both money lines will get you at plus 130 right now. Wouldn't hate you doing that. Elsewhere, um, just be aware here, if you like to get in early on your NFL stuff, Sunday's game in Buffalo does not look very hospitable with the weather. They're getting a lot on Saturday. It will continue to be pretty windy out there and a lot of snow on the ground. That will probably affect the air game in Pittsburgh and Buffalo. I think it affects the over-under there as well. So I'm an under guy on that. I think we're still at 35 and a half for that one. Oh, I got 35 and a half this morning. It's down to 33 and a half. And a lot of people hammering the Steelers at plus 10 because of the weather. I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. But there are a couple trends I do want to call to your attention here in the NFL for the weekend. Cleveland and Houston. That game in Houston. I'll take Houston plus two and a half. Listen to this. Saturday postseason home dogs since 2007 are eight and one against the spread. Eight and one. Wild card and divisional higher seeded dogs. 13, nine and two against the spread over the last two decades. It just comes down to. The CJ Stroud turned the ball over against that good Cleveland defense. CJ Stroud with the lowest interception rate among qualified quarterbacks this season. Joe Flacco converting just 34% of his third downs. That would rank 27th over the full season if you extrapolated him out. So I'm going to take the two and a half points with the Texans. On Saturday, I already told you my stance on the uh, on the Dolphins, right? There's the injuries, and then there's everybody talking about how they're not going to play well. It's going to be way too cold. Teams averaging at least 7.5 yards per pass attempt. After removing sack yardage are 32-15 and 15 against the spread against teams that average fewer than 7.5 per pass since 2011. It's a weird stat, but it's in there. Wild card road dogs at plus 7 or less are 30-18-1. How about that? 30-18-1. Dolphins 4.5. 
Again, if the weather's going to be bad, it's going to be bad for everybody. And if you don't think a lot of points are going to be scored, you probably want to take the points. Also, look at the Packers plus seven here. Sunday wildcard divisional round, single-digit road dogs, 46-16 and 16 against the spread. Dogs are barking this weekend. At least that's what the trends are telling you. Don't go anywhere. Hang tight. We're going to come right back. And i got plenty more Hammer Down show. Sam King next for you here on 1017 Hammer. What? Welcome back to the Hammer Down show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. Your chance to win tickets for Purdue men's basketball versus Michigan. This game is on Tuesday the 23rd. Uh, Charters is filling in for me most of next week, so i, I got to give these away now. Uh, but, hey, if you want to go, text BOILERUP, 765-447-4080. That is how you'll get registered to win those tickets. That's BOILERUP. Just send that in to 765-447-4080, and uh, we'll get you your chance to win those tickets. Purdue tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow afternoon, I should say, 2 o'clock, uh, 2.15. 2.15. Uh, they take on Penn State, stayed at 8-8 and this year. Um, not a tremendous team by most accounts. They're coming off a loss at home to Northwestern the other night, 76-72. They did beat Michigan at home, 79-73. Got absolutely demolished by Michigan State. Uh, back uh, right after New Year's, 92-61, to that game uh, in East Lansing. It's not that they do anything particularly well either. They're all right. It's, you know, real middle of the road for points. They're a terrible rebounding team. I feel like they've been a terrible rebounding team for a decade now. Zach, in particular, has had a lot of success against them. Uh, he scored 30 on them twice last season, once in the Big Ten tournament. I think that other one was, was that one at the, was that the Palestra game? I'm trying to recall. Somebody went off the Palestra game, and I think it was him, because they were just so exposed on the inside. Because at home, he only had like 18, but he had... What? Uh, it was a great rebound. 13 in the uh, Big Ten Tournament Final. 13 rebounds uh, at home. And then 13 in that uh, game at the uh, Palestra. So he's just absolutely great in those matchups against Penn State. And this one should be, look, this is a get-right game for them. I mean, these guys, they lost at Maryland. They destroyed at Michigan State. Purdue should very much be able to contain this team. Kanye Clary is not a, he's certainly a serviceable guard, but he's not Boo Booey. He's not Terrence Shannon. You should be able to handle this team. And quite frankly, I think you need a little bit of a feel-good to try to get right here because you have seen, specifically with Zach, I feel like these last couple of games, you have seen the frustration with the foul calls with him. 
And, you know, some of that is we've got newer officials those last couple of games. It's not Courtney. It's not Carson. It's not some of the names I think that you are super familiar with. Or at least that I'd notice. I, I could be wrong about this, but you're starting to see newer officials get in here. And the Big Ten needed some of that. But the, you know, the wild inconsistencies at times, that's what kills me with the uh, with the officiating. I'm not going to blame specific calls. Uh, I, I just want it called the same way the entire game, both ways, and I'm happy. If you want to call ticky-tack, that's fine. Call it the whole game, both ways. If you want to call this one specifically, great. Both ways, whole game. That's what I need. The only part where I get upset with the officiating here lately in terms of Purdue, it's the fact that they've gone to the monitor the last three games and they've gone to look at these uh, absurd and, and come back with these absurd flagrant foul calls. Like the Lance Jones one was just, that's the, that's the really, really bad one. The Mason one, all right, man, whatever. But, I mean, you got Fletcher Lawyer about ready to crack his skull open on the floor. Mason Gillis going flying. Nobody ever goes to the monitor for those guys. If you're going to go to the monitor for these things, fine. But I need this done both ways for the entire game. They're just not doing it. And that's where I get upset. Penn State, the uh, the worst defensive field goal percentage in the league. They're 12th in field goal percentage as well. They don't shoot the three well. They're below 30% on that. Like I told you, a, a poor rebounding team. 13th in that regard. 12th in the league and what their opponents do. 11th in, uh, no, sorry, dead last in rebounding margin. These are the places where you can make your bones here, and uh, this shouldn't be too hard for Purdue. The one thing Penn State will do well, they're tops of the league in turnover margin. As we know, that continues to be a bugaboo of this team. Um, you just can't you can't have them. And the ones early on really set the tone at Nebraska. This Purdue has to be better in, uh, in in that regard. And if they're not, they're going to continue to get in trouble. I, I don't think that a team. I don't think that a team will go. I don't want to say that. Look, I, the point being here is they just they they, they got to be better holding on to the basketball. You can't give away the free possessions. And the one thing that really killed me about that game in Nebraska is you had fourteen turnovers, and not a single one of them came from your bench guys. They all came. From your starters. They have to be better with the basketball. It's literally the top bullet point every game we go into with Purdue. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, Sam uh, has told me he's got out of women's basketball avail, so now he is good to go. Sam King, he's next. 
Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. Keep texting for your chance to win Purdue versus Michigan. Men's basketball tickets for Tuesday the 23rd. Just text Boiler Up to 765-447-4080. That is your chance to win. All right, we're going to go over to our Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline where Sam King of the Lafayette Journal and Courier is hanging out with us. He has uh, braved the elements in Nebraska, survived, and is uh, back here uh, in the in-state and uh, couldn't be happier to have him here on a Friday like he usually is with us talking a little bit of hoops. Uh, Sam, great to have you here. Uh, that was a uh, it's a little bit of a tough pill to swallow out there in Nebraska. I think uh, smart fans knew that you know, you're not going to go undefeated through conference play, um, but I think fans also aren't happy with what was, what, a 16-point loss on the road to a Nebraska team that really just shot lights out, and you got to give them credit. Did a really good job against Zach Eady, didn't they? Yeah, they uh, they did a good job forcing turnovers, and it seemed like you know Purdue played well in spurts offensively, but every time it did, it would it would make a poor pass or you know miss a shot, and then Nebraska would just go on a run. And so that really that 13-0 run to end the first half, is magnified because of the way Purdue played coming out of the gate in the second half. Um, you know, if it's an even game there, that's maybe a turning point where Purdue starts to pull away a little bit. But it just seemed like early, other than Mason Gillis, nobody could really get uh, a shot to go down. And then the turnovers, and then you're right. You know, they went what Nebraska went 14 of 23 from three, and uh, we just got done talking to Matt Painter a few moments ago, and he said, I went back and watched it, and about 10 of those were, we were so close to them that it was it was almost a foul. We defended it so well, and you just tip your cap. But he said, where we really screwed up was the other four threes that they made were uh, mistakes where a guy got open or, you know, whatever it might have been, um, and those four threes ended up being pretty crucial. Um, you know, you tip your cap to the re- really difficult ones that Tommy Naga made and, and Wilshire, uh, some of those shots were just impressive, but you can't go there and, and have a team shoot lights out like that, but also help out by the turnovers and, and this, the simple mistakes. So that really got maximized, and you're right. Like, Purdue was going to lose again and, and probably is going to lose another game or two before the end of the regular season. So uh, it's just a matter now of you protect home court and, you know, you try to, to get some of those games on the road and, Put yourself in a position at the end of the year here to win a conference championship. Uh, we're talking with Sam King here on the Blue Fox Heating, Cooling, Hammerhead Hotline. You know, the, the, the turnovers re- remain. That's like the first bullet point. Anytime we break down, I think you, know, you do or, you know, folks over at Golden Black do, I, we, we talk about this. It's, it, that's like the number one thing we talk about with Purdue is you've got to limit the turnovers. All of those uh, what, 14 turnovers in that game against Nebraska, Sam, I thought it was interesting, too. They all came from the starters, uh, on top of that, uh, that has to be frustrating for Matt Painter. Yeah, and uh, that was a point of emphasis today. And you've noticed the games that Purdue has lost here the last couple of years, whether it's fairly Dickinson or the Northwestern game this year or, or the other night, uh, turnovers is the recurring theme. And it's usually when you get more than 12. Uh, you know, Purdue's had a lot of games this year early in the year where it was 10 plus turnovers and, and found a way to win some of those games. But uh, really chopped that number down significantly uh, while it was playing very well. And then all of a sudden it kind of rears its head again uh, at Nebraska. And you're right, it's the guys that you feel like shouldn't be turning the ball over. You know, Braden Smith's got to be 
uh, a guy that you can count on. When you're a point guard, you're going to turn the ball over. It's just the nature of the position. But you got to eliminate the, the silly ones. And you know, I think back even to the Illinois game, he had a, a situation where he jumped up in the air and was indecisive if he was going to shoot or pass and kind of got caught in no man's land and just threw the ball away. Um, you can eliminate those. And I think that's the good thing about coming off a loss is, um, you know, the mistakes that you made were correctable. And, you know, then you top that off with the, the hot shooting. And you really feel like you didn't play a very good game. And still in the second half for until probably the eight minute mark, you felt like this game isn't getting out of hand and Purdue has a chance to win. Sam, I know Matt Painter's not going to complain about the officials. I know he's very much a, uh, you know, you fight through it, do what you got to do. But I, it just, to me, when you look at the losses and then the very narrow wins, there's usually a common occurrence there. And Zach usually ends up finishing the game with three, four fouls. But ever since we've hit the Big Ten play, it really seems like he's getting officiated differently. Where he used to get calls, he's not getting them. Um, I, it seems a lot like we're back to just, hey, hold on to an arm as best you can, and the officials aren't doing anything kind of defenses, and they're continuing to get away with it. Um, has, I don't know if Matt Painter said anything. that Have you noticed? Do you feel like he's being officiated differently than he did during the non-conference? I actually asked Zach about this after the Nebraska game, and he pretty much has he squashed it and said, I'm not going to talk about the officiating, um, which kind of tells you he doesn't agree with some of it. Um, now, you know, I think that the fouls he got against Nebraska, there was maybe a questionable over the back where, you know, if you want to say he's just tall, that was the instance where he, you say it for the positive because he just kind of got a rebound over the top of a guy. Uh, but the Illinois game, I thought he got, you know, kind of cheated on a couple of calls. One was a, a screen on uh, our old friend Drake Gibbs Blahorn. It was called a foul that actually took – Zach out for the remainder of the first half and uh, fortunately for Purdue played very well with them off the floor but yeah I think uh, last year Matt Painter was almost begging for fouls against Edie because of how much he gets hammered and, and then you start getting that a little bit but now um, I think sometimes it just looks worse because of how physically imposing a seven foot four, 300 pound guy mm-hmm. is um, when you make the slightest contact and somebody flops or you know goes flying um it looks a lot worse, and you're going to call a foul. Um, but it's got to be even on both ends. And I noticed this during the game the other night, and Matt Painter brought it up today. There was a point early in that game where Fletcher Lawyer just get, got – I mean, it was almost like Christian Nicoya just ran him over, uh, and he hit the floor, and it was, a, it was a huge thud, and there was no call. And then later on you get you know kind of a touch foul on your own guy, and, and you're asking, like, where's the consistency here? Or, the, or there's a review on it, too, right? Like, there's the Mesa Gills. That thing got the review, and this has been my point, too. Really, it's just the, the flagrant calls that all of a sudden seem to be popping up, and then you know they're not reviewing the other team's stuff when our guys go flying, but for some reason we found a flagrant foul on Lance Jones last game. Yeah, that, this is three games in a row now that uh, Purdue's been called for a flagrant foul, and I, uh, I'd asked Mason about that because the game against Illinois, he got shoved out of midair and goes flying out of bounds, and it's a no-call. And the other night, he, you know, goes and, and just tries to do a simple box out, and maybe he hits the guy, maybe it's a foul, but it certainly wasn't blatant or, or flagrant or anything like that, and uh, it's called a flagrant foul. The Lance Jones thing is just that, you know, probably was a foul by the, the nature of the rule, but it certainly wasn't a flagrant foul, and I don't know how you make a no call, then go review it, and then decide after the review that it's a, a flagrant foul. I think, you know, 
that's that's probably just a thing where it's a foul. You give Illinois the ball back, and that was a you know almost a dangerous swing in the game if Illinois finds the shot to tie that game there late. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm at the point now where I don't understand what a flagrant foul is. What's a uh, you know what's with the consistency and playing on the road is going to be tough, and that's maybe part of the issue the other night. And um, that's you know one of the things when you go on the road, you expect to get uh, on the wrong side of some of these calls, but uh, it's becoming a recurring theme now where, like I said, three games in a row where you have a flagrant foul, the one on, on Fletcher Lawyer a few games ago where he just kind of reaches around behind a guy at Maryland and they said he didn't make a play on the ball. And then I guess that's what they told Mason Gillis uh, at Nebraska too was uh, he was not making a play on the ball. And his response was, it's a box out. Like the, the ball's in the air. There is no play on the ball. We're trying to get the ball that comes off the rim. So, yeah, I don't know anymore. And, and this is where I said, the other night, officials need to be held accountable and, and be put on the stand to answer some questions. But unfortunately, if there is a, a rule for, or a, a question for officials, you have to pick a pool reporter to go ask one question. And, um, you know, I don't think the situation in a 16 point loss uh, kind of dictates that. Meanwhile, I'm watching a six foot, 170, uh, 170 pound uh, Japanese uh, kid literally hold on for dear life onto Zach Eady's arm. And Zach's just too big and too strong. They can't even review that kind of stuff. It's just. It's getting a little bit out of hand. We're talking with Sam King on the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Let's move on to Saturday here. Talk about a get-right game. Penn State comes into town. Zach Eady uh, had three games against Penn State. He put up 30 uh, last season. He put up 30 in, in two out of those three, and he had 13 rebounds in all three of those. If anybody uh, is going to dominate in this one, you got to think he's due for a breakout here after what's happened the last couple of games. Yeah, I think Purdue's just going to play well in general. Coming off a loss. You now have the students back, which is a huge, uh, you know, motivation and also momentum if you're playing well and that crowd gets behind you. That place, as you know, is as wild as anywhere I've been. So uh, I think that Purdue's going to come out, you know, obviously didn't come out uh, sharp last game. Uh, probably screws your head on a little bit better. I just talked to Lance Jones about this today. Um, these guys are all going to tell you it's one game at a time and they don't look ahead. But I said, listen, you've got two conference losses. But if this thing starts to steamroll and you, you know, lose this game or you go to Bloomington next week and lose or Iowa, um, it's maximizing. You're trying to crawl out of a, a big hole here in the Big Ten. So uh, he said, yeah, from that vantage point, each game is a little bit bigger because we do have those two conference losses and you're sitting there looking at where Wisconsin is and, and realizing you can't afford to fall any more, further back. So I think this is a get-right game, but also you're right. Um, Zach Eady should be able to impose his will in this game. Uh it's a team that you should beat anyway, and uh, I think that it's just going to be a game where Purdue comes out and, and looks like Purdue of you know a couple weeks ago. And then Tuesday looms large, right? It's a trip down to Assembly. Um, it's just that that that's a team that just seems very squirrely. They seem very all over the place um, and just not really a cohesive unit. But when you play down there, I mean, it's uh, that that that's a whole different ball game. When you're taking on IU uh, in their uh, in their home turf, so I mean, I mean, look, that that's it's always must win against your rivals. But where they're at in the standings right now, and the way things are, I mean, that even more so this year than it normally is, is a must win game on Tuesday night, is it not? Yeah, and I, here's what I'm gonna say uh, because IU has been awful from three point range. You just hope this isn't the game where it, every shot starts to fall, and that seems to be the case. For anybody, Purdue plays a lot of times where it's like, well, this is a game that, that Purdue should win, and then it, all of a sudden the team just 
goes bonkers and, and hits a bunch of shots they haven't hit all year long. So, um, you know, if you're a Purdue fan, you kind of hope this isn't the game where Indiana gets that get-right game and, and puts it all together and, and Galloway starts hitting from the outside or whoever it might be. But, Why are you going to uh, put that in the ether? Stop that. <laughs> Last year we all know that uh, we saw with Jalen hood Shafino just kind of cook Purdue and, and go off, and sometimes it just takes one guy kind of doing that. Um, but, you know, I, I really think that that loss at IU last year, some probably worse than any lo- other loss at any point of the season um, because it, it kind of, uh, I want to say, like, Purdue didn't fall off at the end of the year, but it kind of felt like that was a stretch where Purdue was really struggling, and uh, there was a lot of heartbreak there uh, in that post game. Um, the way that Zach E.D. answered questions and really stood up for Braden Smith uh, making a late turnover in that game. So I think that uh, that's a game that's going to have a little extra motivation and uh, Purdue should, you know, Purdue should always come in prepared and and with its mind right. But I think that when you look at where Purdue is right now with two losses, playing Penn State, you hopefully get your confidence back. And then, you know, there's going to be a lot of memories from last year uh, getting beat twice by the Hoosiers going to Assembly Hall. I can't wait for it on Tuesday night. It's going to be a good one. Got to get through this one first on Saturday. Sam King, Journal and Courier, again, doing a great job covering your Boilermakers. So uh, make sure you get those subscriptions to the uh, JNC because he does such a great job covering things, man. Hey, I always appreciate you on a Friday, my friend. Uh, you have a uh, good weekend. Enjoy tomorrow's game. Thanks for being on, bud. All right, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Sam. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. Things we may have missed. And uh, don't forget, last chance here, text in Boiler Up to 765-447-4080. Your chance to win Purdue men's basketball tickets for the game against Michigan on Tuesday the 23rd. If you want to go, text Boiler Up to 765-447-4080, and uh, we'll draw the winner at the end of the show. That's coming up next here on the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer and 1017. Wrapping up the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017thehammer.com. This is going to be your last chance, last call, Purdue, Michigan men's basketball tickets. We're going to give them away here in just a little bit. Just uh, text the keyword BOILERUP, 765-447-4080. That's all you got to do, and that gets you registered, 765-447-4080. And uh, I will get you uh, on the list there. We'll draw the winner here as soon as I go off the air here in just a few minutes. This weekend, action packed here with uh, wall-to-wall coverage. Uh, Starting tomorrow, we will have wild-card round games for you. And uh, those start at 4 o'clock tomorrow. And we got you covered. Uh, So the the games tomorrow are um, Cleveland, Houston, 4.30, Followed by that absolutely frigid game at 8 o'clock on Peacock, Miami and Kansas City. So if you're still complaining about Peacock and uh, you don't have it, you can listen to it right here on 101.7 The Hammer. That gets us into Sunday starting at uh, one or, sorry, 1230. We'll have those other two games, the first one being Pittsburgh at Buffalo at 1. And then we'll also have Green Bay at Dallas, the Sunday night game, the Rams and uh, Detroit, Stafford going back home. That'll be something. And then we'll also have Monday Night Football for you, uh, which is our uh, last game there. Philadelphia and Tampa Bay on Monday night. So we got you covered wall-to-wall here this weekend with football. So whatever you got going on, if you got to be out, you know, this is Saturdays can be tough, man. And Saturday afternoon, late afternoon games, we got you covered here on the Hammer. Don't you worry. 
So it looks like it's not official official yet, but it looks like it's mostly official that DeBoer is going to become the next head coach at Alabama. And somebody had made this uh, made this comment. It's like, man, it's a long way from being the uh, Indiana OC just, uh, what, like four or five years ago? This guy has really been a winner just about everywhere he's gone. It's been pretty impressive. Played at Sioux Falls, NAIA, through 96, stays on 97, and is the wide receivers coach. Goes to high school at, uh, high school as an assistant for a season. Comes back to Sioux Falls, OC, then the head coach for another four years. So he spends the entire early 2000s, that whole decade he spends at Sioux Falls. And in that time that he was a head coach, loses the NAIA semifinal, wins a championship, loses a championship game, and then wins two more championships. Coach of the year in the NAIA three times out of five seasons. Pretty darn impressive. Then he turns around and goes to Southern Illinois for a couple years, OC there, Eastern Michigan for a couple years, OC there, Fresno State, OC there, Indiana for a season before Fresno says, hey, we'll take you. Then he goes to Washington. And he took Fresno State, turned that thing around. And he took Washington and really just ran in the atmosphere, the stratosphere, wins the Alamo Bowl, and then loses the National uh, Football Championship. Just insane, the run that he's got. So I tried to kind of compare that. It took him from being his first coaching job as wide receivers coach at Sioux Falls in, in 97. His first head coaching job, 2020 Fresno State. So 23 years. Saban's first actual coaching, not a grad assistant, coaching job. 75 with Kent State. He get the Toledo job in 1990, so it took him 15 years. I was just wondering, like, hey, did DeBoer do this fast? Because it felt like he did. But I think Alabama makes the right, the, the, the right choice there. I like Lanning, don't get me wrong. Norvell, they got all this stuff going on in Florida State. Do you really want to mess with that? Some people put Marcus Freeman on there. I, I don't see how that was going to be an option at all. They got the right guy. You never want to be the guy that takes over for the guy, but this guy's pretty darn close to it. At least in terms of the success that he's had in his career. Look, nobody's going to roll up, have seven national championships. What is it, 11 conference championships? But he is the best coach of the year. They voted on it. I think Alabama made the right choice. All right, that's going to do it for us here. Hey, hang tight. We're going to come right back here, all right? Jeff Julek, myself, Alan Carpick, Nate Barrett. The Boiler Basketball Show is coming up next. We'll spend a whole other hour talking Boilermaker Hoops for you here on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. That show is...